You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So, Sid Talk, did you have a good Christmas? Very good. Um, did you? Did the listeners have a good Christmas? Do you think? Mm, it's gonna be. There's gonna be a percentage of people who don't give a shit. About and people Christmas. who don't celebrate Christmas. Did yeah. you have a good Thursday? <laughs> yeah. Did you have a good Christmas? <laughs> I did. Um, should we? Ma- Let's talk about Christmas in the before the after the show discussion. Um, what gifts did you get? All of them? They're just the key- the ones that come to my mind first. I got a KitchenAid mixer, which is something I've wanted for years and years and years, and I'm always too cheap to buy it for myself. That was from an anonymous gift to giver. Oh no, that was you. <laughs> and. Uh, See, I can draw a blank. Oh, I got this book over here. It's called Meatless. It's a cookbook. By Martha Stewart. It's not oh, a novel. Not by Martha Stewart. Yeah, it's from the kitchens of Martha Stewart Living, yeah. which means other people have developed yeah. the recipes, but it's from her kitchen. And it is really good. You see the uh, bookmark there? It's a piece of it's toilet paper. It's always a toilet paper for your bookmarks. Toilet paper. Because why? That's where I read You read it, it on the book. I read them all. If you, re- if you get cookbooks and you really like them, that means you read them through first. You don't just find a recipe and cook it. You read it all like a book. Then you go back and, you know, I got all kinds of stuff. I got thumb drive, 32 gigabyte thumb drive. Nothing else. I'm drawing a blank. What'd you get? You got, also got Walking Dead. <laughs> the teddy bunny bag. girl. Yeah, we. Um, bunny girl. Yeah. She has a little bunny in her hand. She does. And bunny slippers. Yeah. She oh, no, it's Teddy Bear. You're right. Teddy Bear in her hand, bunny slippers. She's a um, zombie little girl from Actually, the Walking Dead. Yeah. The Funko Pops. What'd you get? I got uh, a new router, or router. Very exciting. I call it a router, um, which is really cool because it's the type of router where you can plug a USB or a hard drive in and then it shows up on the network. Um, I also got a two new <laughs> DualShock 4 controllers for my PlayStation 4. Now I have actually got four of them. Yeah, and uh, you, I got you one, full price, I'll just put that out there, at a local shop, right? Then you, in that very short period of time, right after that, bought yourself one with my credit card on my Amazon account saying that's what you were getting for Christmas on sale. So for I thought, fine, I'll nine. take the other one back. At this particular shop, refunds are not 100%. No matter what. I mean, it's in the package. It's been I still a think weeks. that's bullshit. You get two-thirds of the original purchase price either, and you don't get it back. You can only do store, store trade. Credit. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know if it's credit. You just, on the spot, you have to get stuff worth two-thirds of that amount. So, I decided, in the end, you're probably going to use them anyway. So, now you have I do use an it. extra controller. So, I got uh, the white DualShock 4 and an- another black one. So, I've got three black ones and a white one. The white one's re- really cool. I'm really into it. Um, I also got Fargo, the complete season, on Blu-ray. And TV it was like show. Yeah, this, the TV show that was on last year. And uh, it was also like a gift set, and it came with a beanie hat with the Fargo logo on it. Um, but like the, what do you call it, crochet in it? Mm-hmm. Like the crochet. No, uh, cross-stitch. Cross-stitch look yeah. of the logo of Fargo. And the poster. I got the poster for the movie. looking thing. The Fargo movie. I got a chocolate orange, <laughs> which I'm thinking of now because it was really delicious. Three cans of 
Clorox wipes, because you're a freak about cleaning, and a vacuum, a handheld cordless vacuum to do the stairs and the windowsills. And you all might not think that's romantic, and you might not think a mixer is romantic or a zombie I love, doll. Cl- I love cleaning up. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I love um, making things clean or disinfecting things. It's just my OCD type scenarios. And unfortunately this year I couldn't spend as much on Christmas because of the mice. I oh. had to spend a lot of money to get we rid of We also got the mice. rid of the mice, it seems. Yes. Now, people might scoff at us. We are vegetarians, right? Oh, well, then that means you're a hippy-dippy and you love all animals. No, let me put it this way. don't want mice living with We us. didn't eat the mice. No. We're not animal activists. How might We're vegetarians, and the mice are no longer in our house. Now, how that happened? It's not going to be a mouse-friendly situation. In fact, I went to PETA.org and read about how to get rid of mice in your house. Every scenario, even their little nice little paragraph about um, live catching them and taking them out to the field, right? This would be like you think, oh, picturesque, Disney Mouse World. I'll drop it off in a field somewhere. No matter what they talk about, poisons are terrible because they kill them horribly. Yeah, they talk about live things. traps that are terrible because they are the snappy traps that kill them because they're horrible. If you take them out in a live trap and release them into a field... They're if you release to... them near your house, they'll probably come right, back to but your house. But if you I'm release saying, them far away. If you release them far away, the end result is they're going to die anyway. Because well, you've taken I, I them don't away. believe that's 100%. You've true. taken them away from their family, from their nest, from their food sources. And in a short period of time, if they don't find food sources, they're going to be pred- predated on. Yeah, a cat will kill them or a rabbit right. or anything else. So there's really no nice way, if you don't want to live with mice in your house... Not really. You can go from the most horrible ways to, I guess, a, nah, they're not horrible. So This is very Christmassy. I'm just saying. That's what happened. <laughs> I, believe, I believe what happened to them was the... Christmas was over. The uh, mice people came, put some poison in the attic and in the wall, and I believe they finally had the fill of mouse poison and left. They, it's the, unfortunate, but that is the way it is. The guy said that they don't curl up and die in your house. They leave because they need water. It dehydrates them. So they leave, go outside, and then they usually die outside. Now, I've not seen any evidence outside of any, and I've looked around. But and we haven't heard any more scratching. And we will be doing a search of all holes around the outside of our house when it's nicer weather. But also, what else did I get? There was something else I got uh, for Christmas. That I was- <laughs> oh, we got, um, we got our nephew a Lego kit. Yeah. And yesterday, or the day before, we sat and did the, did the Lego um, did, did a Lego kit. Yeah. And I've not done a Lego kit for like since I was a child. It's They're really, really fun. It is really fun. And awesome. it's a lot more detailed than it was when I was a kid. There's pieces that are rounded and it's not just square blocks. There's all kinds of pieces so they can do anything with it. It's way more elaborate than it And used tell to them be. what the kit was. It was the Star Wars Cantina. And it was elaborate. It, the little bar where they served the drinks had little drawers, and inside the drawers were little uh, coasters for the for the cups. <laughs> there was cups. There was bar taps. There was had many characters, like seven characters, weren't it? Yeah, minifigures. Um, you know, there was Greedo, and there was the band Han Solo, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, a clone trooper, Obi Wan. And a stormtrooper. I think Obi-Wan's actually George Lucas. If you look at him really close, it's George Lucas. The Lego version, at least. And then who joined the, who joined the Lego cantina after a while because you needed a bartender? Emmett. Emmett from the Lego movie. Because we got the Lego movie this year and inside the box was an Emmett figure, so I took the Emmett figure. (laughs) Because with this Lego kit, 
Yeah. As detailed as it was, they didn't have a bartender for the no, cantina. No, uh, and I thought that was really weird because that bartender is kind of interesting. So to me, part of the, my gift was watching you two at the table putting that together and you doing it wrong a couple of times and having to undo things and my nephew going, I don't think, that, I think that's wrong. It was because we had, uh, he was doing one piece, I was doing another, and they linked together at some point. And when they linked together, it had to be done at exactly the same time. So, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, no, it wasn't that precise, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, like like his piece and my piece. It's not like together. Doc at the space station or anything. Well, yeah, you have to build... It's hard to split it up for two people. Um, but that was a big-ish kit. It only took about, what, an hour? No, no, it was about two and a half hours altogether. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine then how big a Millennium Falcon kit would... They're $300, those things. Yeah, that's why you didn't get a Millennium Falcon. Or the big rusty thing that's in the desert. Yeah, the, the that cool thing. Sandwich. Yeah, they have one of those that's really super detailed. I mean, I looked at a bunch of them, and unfortunately, this one had to be of... It wasn't... Like five dollars or anything, but I'm just saying no, it had to be. One my of the guess with that one would be about eighty dollars. It was no. on sale, but I bet it was when it came out. Yeah, now it's back up to like eighty three yeah. or something. But but um, yeah, they're really fun Lego kits. Um, I like doing the kits. Like I've said to you, you would rather just have a load of, a load of bricks. Me, I like an objective. So building something is cool. my brother, I mean, who I'm forty seven. My brother's fifty seven. He has, I think, three huge storage tubs. Full of Legos of all kits of all kind of whatever he's bought over the last 30, 40 years of his children's life. Before his children were born, he was buying Legos. And they just, after they've done their kits, then they get all broken apart. The girls, my two nieces who are now like 30 and 26, have sat down at one point and dumped them all out, sorted them out by color and all the accessories and all the heads of all the characters and the bodies and the windows and the doors. And they're in Ziploc bags. That. And he has a pool table and he lets them at Christmas. They, he always buys them new kits. They dump it all, they get it all out. And then you can just pick out of your, but when you're done, you break your thing apart and put your bits back where the girls have sorted them. So that to me is like you look at them all and you're overwhelmed. Like, oh, what can I build? And then it just starts happening. It's awesome. It makes me want to have more Legos. So that is our Christmas stuff. <laughs> um, we got loads of cool stuff. You got Doctor Who ornaments. Yeah. And we watched Doctor Who's Christmas special yesterday, which I, I wasn't overly... Um, I could tell you were bored. Yeah. I don't know what it was about it. It was just pretty bland to me and boring. Yeah. yeah. There was no big thing in it, really. It was like, it was a Santa Claus-y type thing. The big thing was Clara's yeah. back. Yeah. And, and Not dead. Nick Frost played Santa Ugh, Claus. If so you like boring. Nick Frost from Shaun of the Dead. I don't. Um, yeah, it wasn't... But it's Doctor Who. I don't care. I still. Like I've seen it. some great. There's been some great Christmas specials from Doctor Who. Really, some really good ones where it's like, wow, this is really a Christmas. That one just felt like a bit of a, yeah, just a nothing. But anyway, this is not the Doctor Who uh, podcast. This is or the Christmas podcast. Saturday, December the twenty seventh, and this is after the show number three hundred and fifty six. We are actually a movie review podcast. If you hadn't guessed, and. Uh, we're going to be reviewing a movie right now. It's a Blu-ray movie. It's called This Is Where I Leave You. <laughs> it sucked this some is spit where down. Sitar coughs. I just sucked some spit down the wrong <coughs> shaft. <laughs> so it's This Is Where I Leave You. It's a 2014 movie. It's released on the 16th of December, so you can pick this one up now. In fact, you probably bought this one for somebody for Christmas, or maybe you didn't. It's rated R. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And Sitar, give us a synopsis of This Is Where I Leave You. This is where I leave it. You think that sounds like a Christmassy DVD to give to someone? <laughs> I don't think so. Depends. Synopsis is 
upper-middle-class white family with what seem to be very well-established lives all have problems in their relationships. Oh, wait. That's like so many other movies. But there you go. Yeah. That is what it is. Yeah, this isn't a movie that we we will spoil probably at all. Uh, it's not really a... You can't... There's no big... It's well, just a slice of set? life type movie. It's a slice of life, and it is a... Um, it is just what I said. Upper, middle class, white family of four grown children and a mother. The father's passed. And they're, this is their grieving process, right? And it is revealed, obviously, that all of their relationships have problems. And they all have problems in life. And this is where I... This, <laughs> it's like, I mean, I liked it very much, the, don't get um, me wrong, but oh movie, my god. The movie follows... The central character is Jason Bateman's character, who... Um, Put me in mind of the family jewel, because... Yeah, totally. And yeah. The this is where I leave you thing, like, he leaves his wife at the beginning, but the father also leaves them too, so there's like yeah. a big loss thing. And he goes back home, and they have this... I, I don't know that Jewish tradition, but it was pretty easy to pick up on. There's, yeah. There's a Jewish Shiva. tradition, Shiva, mm-hmm. where you, for seven days, mourn the loss of somebody. Well, it's the first seven days of mourning. I just read about it. And it is how you're going to, like, behave as a family. And you stay in the home, and then people come to greet and help, And you, you know, sit on these... You sit on... Low, low chairs. Chair. Yeah, it's, it, there's a whole thing to it. And that's what it, this family are doing. So it's kind of like a enforced um, house arrest Together, for them all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, kind of. And yeah, the family ju- stone. The family, family stone, stone, that was it. It did remind me a lot of that movie. And that one was a Christmassy one, though, right? Mm-hmm. This one isn't a Christmassy one. But it's that kind of... If you like that movie, it, it's the same thing. It's... it's um. People, you know, it's funny, but it's not like, it's not trying to be super funny. It's not like, uh, you know, super bad or something. It's more of a subtle comedy than that, like just based on. And, and while I'm, this is a bit of a dichotomy, while I really enjoyed the movie, on the flip side of that, there's this like, wah, 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 my relationship isn't working, and I don't love my husband the way I want to. Now, and, you know, I mean, there's that, I mean, it can get really grating on your nerves. I if think you there's let an it. air of, um, unreality to the to the I don't know this kind of family I don't know anybody who does like um, a lot of these families in movies they <laughs> well, the, exist in movies where the one who's supposed to be the screw up actually shows up in a Porsche with a hot girlfriend and right. he's supposed to be the loser of the baby of the family of course as we're all portrayed as the idiots of the family um or the like wild card or whatever but, you it know, seems these, fine these manufactured families they exist in movies and I don't think they exist outside of the movies I think that the view that people try to make their family look like this manufactured family, right? But right. in reality, wah, 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 we all have shitty relationships. My husband works too much. Oh, but I have a really fancy house. But I don't love him the way I loved my first boyfriend and blah, blah, blah. So it's a real tough situation. I had to let go of my... I'm just bringing it all back in now. But during the movie, I was like, okay, we're getting... There's no tragedy here. There's some, you know, sad life things happening. A father has passed. I mean, they're older. They're not, like, young kids. These no, are all grown They're grown all grown kids. Up, yeah. yeah. And the parents are older. They're in their 70s, obviously. So that's sad. But there's no, like, you know... Even the family stone has at least the, you know... That is a sad, sad <laughs> thing. Yeah, but... And the family stone on the other side, like you say, that's sad also. 
The Family Stone's also quite a bit goofy at times. Yeah. Like, this one doesn't really go that far. It does a little bit with the ki- with the little kid. Yeah. That's just like some light relief because there's all this death and stuff going on. But um, I feel like it's more a drama than a comedy. And I appreciate that because they're my kind of things. You know, I, I, I'm not really into the wacky comedy. I don't... And this... You know, the cast is what this movie lives and dies on, I think. And I think the cast was really good. Yep, like, everybody in it. Um, maybe Timothy Oliphant I wasn't that keen on, to be honest. I, I, I think he was underused, first off. Like, he's part of the family. He didn't feel like part of the family half the time. He's not part of the family. Well, I mean, he's with them. He's their neighbor. Yeah, but I mean, he's he, he's been with them all those years. Like, I mean, what, what I mean is, like, I felt like he was part of the family when he was younger. And then, like, he's not really integrated. Well, I didn't get that at all. Except that he was a he was her boyfriend, but that was it. Yeah. Um, then you've got like, but the rest of the family. Um, I, I don't think there's a weak link in it. Oh, I agree. As far as acting, I goes. agree completely. Um, and you know, Jason Bateman's the main guy. I was saying the, when I started watching him, and we'd seen him in Bad Words recently, which is which is kind of a goofy comedy, isn't it? But with a bit of drama. But it's more. It's more laugh-out-loud kind of comedy. He is good at playing just the every guy, like, just a dude. Eh, not just the every dude, no. Like yeah, a he's smart, just a dude. No, he's not like every dude. He's like a smarmy, smart-ass. I'm a little bit smarter and a little bit above you all. I see the irony in everything. He always brings that to every role. So he's not like every guy. I think he's a bit different in this one, though. Eh, No. Because when he's listening to his family, he's got that, like, okay, they're all fucked up and I'm not well, kind they of are. attitude. Yeah. Right, but I mean, he still brings that same element to it. So like I say, it's, this isn't the kind of movie where there's a load of stuff that happens. It's just, it's almost like you've just been invited to, into this family's house and you're just sat in the corner watching it unfold, like, the, uh, the entire time. Just, oh, this is what they're talking about, this is the way they are. The way that the family is unfolds quite naturally like you're like oh right the, the the mother's quite open about talking about sex and you know this person's uptight and you know all that starts to unfold naturally but it's not like it's building up to this massive thing it's not that kind of movie um i'm trying to think of other things to say about it aside from do you think it was it sad to you i cry a little but i cried because not because of the movie but it reminds you of some real things in families. Obviously, death and marriages fail and babies are born and some babies are not. And, you know, all these things that it taps into in a way that you feel it. It's not, like, caricatured, you know? So that... I know. felt it was quite complex in the feelings department, this movie. Like, um, yeah. Like, one of the interesting things I thought was how Jason Bateman, um, you know, was his dad was a big thing to him. No, he wasn't, though. See, I think you're wrong. That's what I'm... Well, I'm, get, I'm getting to the point. His dad was, um, you know, his dad, he didn't have any bones with him or anything, but um, he never really spoke to him, like, about it, about anything. Like, you know, just, just family gatherings or whatever. And he wishes he did, but he never did, like. Things like that are complex mm. for this kind of movie, I thought. Um, they've all got, like, a hidden thing, like a, something they never talked about or, you know, Tina Fey's character. They've all got something that they either don't talk about enough or they should talk about, you know, or, 
they kind of don't function properly as a family, I guess. That's Nobody whole... does, though. That's the thing about this. When you watch a movie... That's what I'm saying, it's quite... ...that manufactures everybody's dysfunctions and their together dysfunction, and you look at that and go, oh, they're dysfunctional, but that's exactly how every family operates. Like, 100%. You have different circumstances, but you're all the same. We're all the same. There is no functional family. And if you're listening to this and you think yours is... Then everyone else in your family thinks you're crazy because they know you're not functional. Even if you're an only child, you have other family and no, you're not hundred I don't even know what functional means. You're functioning. Everyone keeps on keeping on. So there's no dysfunctional, I don't think. I think that's been a word that we all got kind of brainwashed with, but Yeah. The fact that you're still a foundation for one another, regardless you know, that can't happen in every family, because in some families there are horrible, wretched individuals who are horrible, wretched human beings. That means you can't have that brother who's a child molester as your best buddy. Because you can't. No. And that's in, some fa- it's in a lot of families, right? So this family has their almost like an ideal version of what dysfunction, quote-unquote, could be. It's like the best of the worst possible scenarios. But uh, yeah, I hadn't thought of the Family Stone. But if you li- if the Family Stone was your kind of movie, you really liked that movie. You felt like you were with that family. Yeah, this is you'll like this movie. It's dead in real life because they all come. Yeah, together that's another the... one that instantly yeah. came to my mind. It's you know he can going back and having to interact with them all. So uh, let's go on to the cast here. And this movie, because of the cast, I think works works. Like if it was like I agree, you know. A bit less quality? You, and I don't you, think about less quality, but if you had people who were too showy, then yeah. that would be a problem. Everyone is very is pretty subtle, unless they need to be not subtle, which is the youngest brother, obviously, because he's the yeah. baby and he's got the most personality, basically. So Jason Bateman plays Judd Altman. Um, I really like Jason Bateman, always do. I can't think of something what I don't like him Vanilla? in. So. Extract? Yeah, Extract was, I liked him in it. I liked him in it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I didn't particularly like Extra that much, but right. yeah, I liked him in it. I can't think of a film where I don't actually like him. Soon, <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> yeah, Vanilla Extract. As soon as um, he... I don't, there isn't one that I don't like with him in it. You know, I've liked all of them, but I've seen... Have Horrible you? Bosses? Wasn't yeah, I mean, even that. I thought that was quite funny, actually. Yeah. Horrible Bosses. It wasn't... It, um, he's in I mean, a lot of those type of movies. He gets a little samey after a while. He's in a lot of those type of movies, yeah. isn't he? He's a... Uh, Good at that, so they put him in those. Because our discussion earlier in the day about how people are the same mm-hmm. a lot of times. And I think he does that a lot. But this time you get a little bit more. Yeah, there's definitely a bit more like subtle drama kind of acting from him. Which you might not have seen before. Uh, Tina Fey plays his sister, Wendy Altman. Uh, this is the family, actually. Tina Fey... I'm not really super familiar with Tina Fey. Like, I know she's a super, like, everybody knows who she is from the TV, but I don't watch those shows. You only know Baby Mama. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> what else? Bridesmaids was she in? No, I think so. Um, yeah, Baby Mama is what I know. <laughs> yeah. When I'm thinking, like, I'm like, yeah, that's the only thing I'm thinking of. Her and the other girl from Saturday Night Live. Because <gasps> we don't watch Saturday Night Live or 30 or Rock. 30 Rock. <laughs> no, we don't watch those things. So she's... She's like a new to me. Like when I see her, I'm like, oh, I only really know very little about her. In here, she did really well. Really well. Because it wasn't like her trying to be like oh over the top and goofy. She was. Just, I bought that woman. Like you know, she's sometimes she's abrasive. Sometimes she's annoying to the rest of the family. Like you know, I 
I didn't get that, but... Well, Jason tells her to shut the fuck up. To her, up. to him. That's yeah. what I mean, to him, like, to the other parts of the family, like, um... I didn't see her be that way to anybody else. No, I was think I was thinking about him, so... Yeah. Other parts of the family, um... And that's exactly I, I, how I see, like, a brother and sister, kind of, like, they might get on each other's nerves occasionally. You reckon? I have three siblings. But so she's right ask, in his face. You can like, ask me about real-life siblings, not movie siblings. I can tell you, yes, they do. <laughs> and I'm the baby. And the baby is portrayed in this movie. I'm sure we'll get to him at some point. Yeah, yeah. And she actually does, uh, Tina Fey uh, has to do some dramatic stuff that's not comedy at all, where, where they mm-hmm. sat on the roof and have a chat, and some other stuff, where I've definitely not seen that from her, because I've only seen that. I felt like in that moment she was thinking about people in that situation, yeah. and that's what made her cry so hard. That's um, good. Jane Fonda plays the mother, Hilary Altman. You know, it's really cool to see Jane Fonda, like, you know... Jane Fonda's been around forever. Yeah. And she's the character's funny because she's this mother... How old would you think she is? Like 65, 70? At uh, least, yeah. She's got fake boobs. She's like really... You well, know. she only just enhanced her boobs. But she's father, like a very like, uh, done-up mother. Like well, she was an author. So she's in the public eye. She's sort of... She's very open sexually, like discussing things. You know, whereas her children are all kind of repressed and she doesn't like that. And you she, know. she reminds me of... Um, in Meet the Fockers, the Barbara Streisand character. She's an author and she's uh, hippy-dippy. Oh, though. Hot, yeah, but this mother you. isn't. But she's open. Like she's so, She'll talk about sex and stuff to the... And yeah. they're all like, ugh. It's that kind of character. The one that's kind of like, everybody's going to be like, oh my mother, please be quiet now. Like, we yeah, don't exactly. need to hear that. So yeah, but she's good. She's really good in it. And she shows some emotion too. I, there was some really good... Absolutely. Um, my favourite part with her was... And it, she said nothing... Where she's looking through the window at the end <laughs> at Jason Bateman. Just the look, like this exchange. Oh, I thought that was really corny. No, I thought that was really, I thought, I was like, wow, I really get the, get well, the Well, you get the idea, but it doesn't take a genius to sit there and fucking nod your head. No, it's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> In fact, it's like one of my favorite, we watched Guardians of the Galaxy yesterday, and one of my favorite parts, and I think it is masterful, and it's just Guardians of the Galaxy, is where Drax, um, puts his hand on Rocket's head. Oh, yeah. And he just pets him. And then Rocket relaxes. But like, it's just at a, first he wants to be mad because yeah. like don't pet me, but he doesn't say it. And then his little shoulders go down. But it's down. just his <laughs> awesome because uh, and and it links in with this one other thing. This is off topic a little bit, but in Guardians of the Galaxy when they go into the prison, and uh, Rocket Raccoon's not got his shirt on, mm-hmm. and he looks and he sees all that stuff on his back, like where he's been experimented on. Drax didn't see that. No, not Drax, but the other. You guy. know that uh, it's there. You know, it's just sad. Like, the, and he says once, like, you haven't been experimented. You haven't been made to yeah. mixed with another thing, and because he's been cloned and messed up with anything. But ultimately, he is he's a little creature, and by petting him on the head, it, it just he doesn't know that that. It's no. supposed to make it That's why good. I think it's really deep. Like, it's <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. It's this crazy space thing. But that whole thing is sad and tragic and deep. <laughs> and, I, and you know, Rocket Raccoon all of a sudden to me is... Oh, he's not just that sarcastic, kick-ass raccoon. He's, like, got a really big backstory that I'd like to see this whole movie, you know? But anyway, that's off topic a little bit. So Adam Driver plays another one of the brothers. Really Philip, good. Philip Altman. Yeah. I really liked him. I know there are times when you feel like, uh... You're not supposed to at times. But it's like, I'm the youngest of my four. And this is four brothers and a sister. And I, have, I we are three sisters and a brother. I'm the youngest by seven years and uh, nine years and ten years, right? So I'm way back. Just like he said, you were all gone by the time I started drinking. 
So I was you weren't around to have my 21st with right. me or anything like that. I completely identify. And then as the person who will, like, it's as if they're one family, those three, right? And then there's you. And you're part of the family, but there's still them and you. True. And there is a certain looseness about you, I guess, when you're raised that far behind. Your parents have aged by 10 years. They're different people, right? So at one point, he says things that everybody's like, ah, you know. I At our Christmas this year, when I went to, we had it at our father's, and I haven't seen my father for many years, right? Well, I'm still me. I mean, I don't really care about that so much. But I'm like off in the bedroom doing my thing, and I hear somebody say Cindy something or something, and I come out and said, Cindy what? Cindy what? What are you saying about me? And they all just laugh because I'm like, blah, you know what I mean? And this guy portrays that. Exactly. He doesn't give a shit. He's like himself. He's not yet to the point of being repressed. He's not yet at that grown-up stage of... Or maybe you never do get that way. When you're the youngest of many, or a few, you have a certain, like, I'm always the baby, and I'm always the youngest. I always have a certain license to be me. And I think this guy portrays that 100%. I really liked him. Like, every time that he had an intimate or... Big scene with somebody, I felt like I, I know that guy, you know? Yeah. So I thought he did, I'd like to see him in some more stuff, actually. He was really good. Um, Rose Byrne played Penny Moore, and she's like a love interest for Jason Bateman. Uh, and I really like her a lot. Yeah. Like, I think I think she's good. Um, you know, in this one, well, yeah, I think she was good. I don't think there was anything wrong she's with She's kind of like that. He really likes his brother, Philip, who we were just talking about. The youngest, sort of like a little bit unique and out there. And then she comes along and she's just loving and a little bit artsy-fartsy. I think she's an ice skater. And she kind of brings out something in Jason Bateman where he's like, you're not all tied up right. or whatever, you know. And I think she pours she's a bit that free. Like free, like but yeah. here's another moment when nothing was said. But when he gets the call, goes to the hospital, and she's standing there, her whole story floods across her face. Because we're talking about your disappointments and your relationships and how people aren't what you expect. And all of a sudden, I could feel her face was like, "Yeah, here's another one that's Where not going to work. Uh, oh, a woman's bleeding, you have to Yeah, go. and then he walks away, and her face was just like... I'm not part of that family, right? Where we're seeing all the drama. And she and said she was an only child. Yeah. All of her stuff yeah. came out in that moment. I thought that was really good. And, and it was way better than the Jane Fonda in the window. And the rest of the family, <laughs> Corey Stoll plays Paul Altman. He's good too. He's supposed to be the uptight oldest brother who's like no fun, you know? And I think that <laughs> my brother's not that, but he is kind of a dick. So I get that the perception. And my sisters don't think that. But right. I do. So I see that whole... You see through it. You do. You really, really do. And Catherine Hahn plays Annie Altman, and she's like the... <laughs> she's from Bad Words. She is from Bad yeah. Words. And she she's got, she wants to be pregnant, and they've been trying to get She's married to, to the pregnant. oldest brother, yeah. but she also dated Judd, who's uh, Jason Bateman. And she's trying to do that... Yeah, you know, infertility and all that. Yeah, so that's kind of a strain on everybody. So, yeah, so every relationship, there's like that relationship, and then there's Tina Fey, whose husband is a dickhead. There's Judd, who, you know, Jason Bateman, whose wife is busy with other people. And there's the mother, whose husband has just died after a long illness. There's, you know, but that's life. That's life. So this is directed by Sean Levy, 
who also directed another Tina Fey movie, um, Date Night, which I didn't see. I did not see that, but here's my mother. Here's what I heard of that movie on a nine-hour flight to Germany for approximately an hour and a half, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, it's a Steve Carell. And, uh, Tina oh, Fey. my God. Did you hear that? It's so funny. <laughs> He's so funny. This is my mother with headphones on listening to the movie. So she likes Steve On Carell. an airplane asking me every five seconds very loudly. Did you hear that? I'm like, I'm not watching. I took the headphone out of her ear and I said, I'm not watching this movie with you. <laughs> oh, okay. And then two minutes later, she hits me with her elbow. Oh my God, she's so funny. And it's really loud and the guy next door is like. <laughs> so that was, that was a movie. So I've never seen it, but no, I know. No, me neither. But yeah, my I get the gist of it from yeah. the trailer. Um, he also directed Cheaper by the Dozen with uh, Steve Martin. Yeah. And Night at the Museum. So. You know what? I saw a tiny bit, bit of Night of the Museum. I need to see some it's more. It's for kids, it fun, kind of like, fun. you know, Ricky Gervais is in that, isn't he? Um, yeah, but he was crappy. Sorry. Yeah, but it's was. supposed to be kind no, of No, he was extra cheesy, crappy. Right? right. Like he was in... Well, he, wasn't he just being like he is in The Muppets? Kind of like over the top a little Time's bit. about five. Right. Really right. annoying. So, yeah, I, I think the direction in this film was quite good. Looking at those other movies, this is very restrained to those movies. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, this guy has some different, you know, skills about him. So, um, extras, there are a few, not a lot. Um, you get, uh, well, nice, they don't really tell you. Deleted and extended scenes and some featurettes. The extended scenes were okay. There was one where he had to inject. Yeah. Which I thought was would have been alright in the movie, personally. That was one where I was like, hmm, wonder why that's come out of there. Um... But yeah, there's some, uh, there's a commentary. I don't like Blu-rays that don't tell you what special features are on them. Because <laughs> it, it tells you, but it doesn't tell you. It says, be part of the ultimate dysfunctional family with Jason Bateman and Tina Fey and others and others. See the wildly hilarious outtakes and deleted and extended okay, scenes. Okay, not wildly hilarious. No. More you know, more. There's a little bit. They add a little bit more, um, and the the featurettes. Are, Am I the um, only person who would like things to be like in the world where it's called the movie, um, the invention of lying, where the DVD box would say, "Here's some <laughs> mildly amusing or not even funny. Here are the outtakes." Here's a is a non-informative featurette. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to, <laughs> but you don't even have to describe yeah. it. Just say featurette. Yeah, true. With the director talking to the cast. There's also a commentary, audio commentary. You know, we all get people get so brainwashed by what's the, what are the words called? What's the what's the word that I didn't know the meaning of for my whole life? Oh God, it starts with an A. No, it starts with an H. <laughs> hyperbole. Oh, hyperbole. Yeah. It's just bullshit. So, it, so in conclusion, this is where I leave you. I enjoyed it a lot. You're leaving yeah. me? This is where you leave me? <laughs> yeah, this is where I, I, you carry on with the podcast. Um, oh, just the podcast. That's fine. Just don't leave me, leave me. I enjoyed it a lot. I, 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 I thought it was really a very well-acted, interesting story, and I wasn't bored of it. It was... Uh, it's well-crafted. Yeah. It's just that if you're... If you, if you dig too deep, you're going to be like, oh, these poor people, look at their... They've got lots of money. It's crafted, let's say. Yeah, they've got it's, it's nice... Crafted all for of Hollywood them have very typing. nice vehicles. Yeah. None of them are going to starve. It, it feels like none of them have mortgages to pay or bills to pay. Um, their children are perfectly behaved. You know, 
So that part you have to sort of, you know, I have turn, to give special mention the to the kid there. who's poo- poo- That's really funny. There's He's a kid, really good. There's a kid in this movie who's learning to poo. In his potty. And it, it pops up several times. There's Not a- too much, but it's always at the right moment. The, the moment where yeah. Jason Bateman's outside and he's just having this intense yeah. talk and then he looks and the kid's having a poop. The thing is, here's my advice. I don't have children. I've taken care of lots of children. But my advice is never give your potty training child a potty that they can pick up and carry around. Make sure it's very heavy. If you have to weight it down with bricks so that it stays or in the glue bathroom. It to the floor. Yeah. <laughs> screw it to the bathroom floor. You know, don't say, oh, honey, let's take your potty in by your bed if that'll make you poo better. No, no, no. Just leave it in the bathroom. Make sure it's, this is like a plastic porta potty that this child carries around. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because what happens in the dining room? Poo gets flung. So, yeah, you might think, oh, that that is a wacky comedy. Poo gets flung. (laughs) They kind of keep that on the, they keep that to a minimum. It's, It's very rare anything that wacky happens. Oh, you mean in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Because in life, kids do shit on people and throw up on people. So Part part of it. Thanks to Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray. And if you want to enter a contest, we will have a new contest coming up with Nicolas Cage and Left Behind. You can win a Blu-ray of that. Go to aschoolie.com. Next week's Blu-ray review is The Guest. We're going to look at that next week. Uh, And movie recommendations, I am going to go with Barbarella. Because we watched that on Blu-ray when it came out last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jane Fonda's amazing in Barbarella. I love that movie. It is so cheesy. It is yep. one of a kind, almost. Well, I think it's two of a kind because I put Flash Gordon alongside it. Um, and my other one is Up in the Air, which also starred Jason Bateman. It didn't star Jason Bateman. He was in it. Um, but Up in the Air is a really good movie. And I, th- I know it was nominated for Oscars or even possibly won one. But um, a lot of people don't talk about it. If you've not seen it, see it. You know, my mother is 73. She was born in 1941. Right. Jane Fonda is four years older than my mother. Right. Jane Fonda looks good for her, eh? <laughs> I'm just saying. My recommendations are out of the movie world, because I don't like the movies of this. But I've been watching, again, the two seasons of, from 2011, I think, 2010, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. I can't help it. It's actually pretty good. It's Scooby-Doo mixed with lots of jokes that are more adult-oriented, sort of lots of pop references. You've got Martha Quinn from MTV. You've got... There's lots of pop references. And they refer back to old Scooby-Doo seasons a lot, like refer back to old bad guys. There was one season of Scooby-Doo where it wasn't like pull off the mask and it's somebody. It was like the real deal. It was really oh. a witch or something. And everybody didn't like that because that's not that's not the hook, right? You gotta have a bad guy in charge of what's going on. This time, the two years has got a big arcing story and another big arcing story across the whole... I know I'm making... making Maybe I'm overthinking it. But it's actually really good. So if you have Netflix, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, it's two seasons worth and they have a lot of episodes. Like, a lot. It's actually really good. And my other one is, and I've never watched this fully, but I watched about, I say a total of 10 minutes of it last week. Christmas with the Cranks, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tim Allen. And the bits that I did watch, I get the whole concept right off the bat. Like, I get the whole movie. But it's actually quite good. It's funny and it's wacky. The idea is very, I really grasp the idea that these people want to skip Christmas. Like, we just want to skip it because they give a big party every year. Their children aren't around. They're all grown up and gone. It's expensive. 
You know, so they decide that's it. We're skipping Christmas. No decorations. We're going on a cruise. We're not having a party. We're not sending out Christmas cards. All this stuff. I got this from a very short period of time, by the way. And how everybody else reacts to that is so realistic, even though it's cranked up. Pardon the association with that. <laughs> huh. But like when you announce to the world that you're not going to be part of their little group of whatever it is. We stopped eating meat. And we get the same reactions that even though this is a comedy, that people give in this movie. I just And rea- I find that really, really interesting. I also just realized that Tim Allen really likes Christmas movies. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I've, I said to you, Christmas movies or music, very profitable. Because Absolutely. people will always watch them. Absolutely. No matter what it is. Yeah. Um, but Christmas with the Cranks, I actually want to get it and then add it to my folder for next year and watch it all. Because... Uh, I really like that concept that you cannot go outside of what everyone expects you to do because you just can't. We can't accept it. <laughs> like, we're all intertwined here. And if you don't have your Christmas party, then this, these one ladies are like, well, what are we supposed to do on Christmas Eve? And <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is like, well, you, you have a family. Like, it, you'll find something to do. It's True. Christmas Eve. And they're just looking at her like, but you've ruined our Christmas, you know? So. I say Christmas with the Cranks and Scooby-Doo. How much more fun could that be? So, games and A. Scully stuff. I just wanted to talk quickly about, talking of Netflix, uh, Black Mirror. Oh, It's a a British uh, TV show, anthology series. So, there's six. There's actually seven episodes. There's only six on Netflix. Um, But they're hour-long. They can be compared to something like The Twilight Zone or... Tales of the, of the Unexpected. Standalone stories. Um, but what these Black Mirror ones have in common is they are all based around technology. Is like, that the theme the on purpose? Te- yeah, the theme okay. technology. Like how technology affects us as humans. And these stories could be in the future or modern day. Near or, future. Yeah, they're not in the past though, generally. Uh, and not mm. at all, in fact. Not what we've seen. We've watched five episodes. We've got what, two left. Um, and it's on Netflix if you want to see it in the US it's also on in the UK um, what do you think of Black Mirror? I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with every concept I'm not as like the first three every single one of them I had that like <gasps> I love that I love movies slash television right now I love that I love um Moving, <laughs> moving pictures as a, as a vehicle for telling stories. I'm not a book reader. Not that I can't read, but I've never been very good at reading books. I'm, I take a really long time and I get obsessive. Like I cannot stop. And then I find myself, I have to read the same page a couple times every once in a while. I get a little bit like, whoa, 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 whoa. What am I just reading? And so I've never been much of a book reader. Movies, however, in television, I've been since I was a little kid. Could be why, you know, could be linked. I don't know. But this is those first three, as we get in, like, in the first few minutes, I just get that feeling of, like... Well, you didn't feel like that for this, the new series. No. I mean, I really enjoyed them to a degree, but I didn't get that feeling of... The first episode missing. of season two, I really liked a lot. I liked it, but I felt like it just... The concept I was totally behind. They're very sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um... But not sci-fi. But based in our reality, you can totally feel, oh, that's not actually that far away, or, you know, the things that happen. Let's just do it. One of them, the, the idea is that your personality online 
Every word that you've typed or tweeted or Facebooked or emailed or whatever that you've ever sent can be put into a a thing, a, a database, program. a program, yeah. and an algorithm created so that if you are gone, dead, dead, then the people who love you can, can still, still converse with you, yeah. talk to you on a phone because you, you've you got all the videos of yourself, you've got voicemails of yourself, that it can it all recreate you, your personality. Right. And then it goes a step further to, if you know who Data is from Star Trek, then you get the idea, it's not really robotic, but I mean the idea of assimilated... Um, you can buy a avatar. You can buy a, it's an avatar. You can buy a blank body and program it to with, look like the to, person to be you, and then be that person. Yeah. And so it sounds really wacky, but it's not done in a wacky way no. or sci-fi way at all. I just felt like I just didn't. It didn't have the same eeriness or the same until the very last scene when she's looking up to like climb up the ladder and you're knowing it's years later and blah 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 did i think oh that's it's got that's where i wanted the that's where the guts came in and i didn't and if, feel that the rest and of the the, time. the the very first episode the very first one um which is called the national anthem <laughs> yeah um the premise of that one if you this if this doesn't whet your appetite to watch this <laughs> no that's not fair because that's not—it's not representative of the. I rest think it's of the a series. really good premise, though. Yeah, but it doesn't represent the rest of the series at all. No, but I mean, you would start watching it from that point, so you. I think. But then they're all completely different. Yeah, but from you'd it. watch them regardless. This would get you into it. So the national anthem is, um, so it's set in Britain. A princess has been kidnapped. She's the princess of a know? royal family. Yeah, it's um, a fictional royal family and a fictional prime minister. And the kidnappers. Come on television. Uh, I mean, send a send a video. Well, they put the video on YouTube mm-hmm. actually, but they they've got a video of the princess, and what they want is the prime minister live on television to have sex with a pig, and that's the whole premise of that first episode. And that is that's like the first minute or two. You find all this out, and I was like, what the hell? And where is this going? Like, what is the yeah? And it. Is this going to be Monty Python-ish? Is no, this gonna and, it, be, and but, it's not. But yeah, you would think, oh, that sounds funny. Like, th- there's probably some humor in that. And there really isn't at all. It's very dark and, it, you know, is that that's the premise of it. And it's, yeah, it's crazy. And I was like, wow, this is brave, this show. That is <laughs> yeah. not something that's normally on television, that kind of scenario. So yeah, it was. I like it. Really like it. Black Mirror. It's on Netflix. You can watch it now. Um, it's not a Netflix show. It's not a Netflix show. It's a British uh, Channel 4 show, but it is on Netflix, on all of Netflix. UK, US. Uh, the other thing is the top 10 of the year. This is the last show of 2014. So we always do our top 10 movies of the year. And it's not top, it's top 10 movies of the ones we reviewed on after the show. So what we do is we go from 10. We have, we also have 11, actually. The, our worst <laughs> movie of the year, too. So, should we both go for our worst movie of the year first? Yeah. All right. My worst movie of this year, 2014, <laughs> is Mr. Johnny Depp in Transcendence. It's him or it's the movie? It's the movie. Okay. I think the movie was not... If you go back and listen to after the show, you'll see what I said about it. I did not like it at all. At all. It but was, this cow going to be the and worst it, and it one. Had a really, yeah, it's the worst one. And it had a really awesome premise. And I was excited to see it. And when I when it finished, I was like, I'd never want to see that again. So that's <laughs> like a my, good sci-fi premise for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's my worst one. Now 
I do mine by going back to my, I have a spreadsheet and every week I put the scores and so I know I don't have to remember them all. And I know what my lowest scores are. And my lowest scored movie is Into the Storm. Right. Because I do like the special effects, but as a movie, it's crap. I think it's just a crappy story. It's a crappy everything. It's just low quality. But for me, I would rather watch that ten times than watch Transcendence again. (laughs) Ten times. Oh, my God. (laughs) You mean turn the volume down and just watch the special effects? At least I can look at the storm. (laughs) Well, then my next worst was Anchorman 2. Oh, you only have one I know. I'm telling you because they're all the same score. Transcendence, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and Winter's Tale. They're all at the bottom of my Amazing Spider-Man 2 was really good. It has a five. It's at the bo- it's near the bottom of the list. I don't list. trust you. Now five is between one and ten, but it's still at the bottom of the near the bottom of the list. So my best ones. So Winter's Tale. You know what? I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, it was Colin Farrell with the flying horse. That's why. I mean, it was all right. I thought it was actually quite good. Personally, yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't get into my top ten, but it's quite good. Yeah. All right, so let's go through the top. Okay, my top ten. No, we're not asking you for your whole top ten. We're doing it. Both of ours. What do you mean? Like we did last year. I wanted to, to keep it the same. I, don't I went back. That. I went back and listened to last year's to make sure we did it. All right. So, <laughs> our both of our ten. Number ten for me is the Hunger Games Catching Fire. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Um, and yours is your number ten. Uh, actually, this is all according to my scores. Remember, so it shares the same score with some others, but it's in the range of. We just need his top ten. Okay. We don't need uh, you. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I go by my scores, and I do think this is one of my favorite of the ones that got this rating, and it was Chef. Right. Because I'm comparing it to some others, and I really liked it. It was fun. It was well done. Sweet. I, and it exceeded my expectations. Hugely. It's definitely rewatchable. I will mm-hmm. give it that. All right. Number nine for me is Lone Survivor. Marky Mark. It's, re- it's a true story. It's really, really I was good. violent, yep. and I actually felt the sound. The sound I remember of the the bullets ricocheting in that canyon. Yep, it's really intense, and that's Lone Survivor number nine for me. For me, I'm gonna swap this one out for another one with the same score. Is Captain America two because I really liked it. the Winter Soldier. Yeah, it was big action, big fun. I was totally there. I like that kind of stuff, and I think that if I compare it to all the other stuff, yeah. All right, number eight for me is The Book Thief. Fantastic Ooh, movie. I yeah. could watch it again now. It was, it's so well done. And it's touching. It's, you know, it's historical. It's it's Agreed. awesome. The Book Thief. Agreed. My next one is... Nine, eight. Dallas Buyers Club. Right. That's like super high quality. Which won an Oscar. Yeah. Really, really... Oh, it's almost like you don't want the story to end, and yet you want it to end, because it's so good, but it's so tragic. So, Dallas right. Backlog. Number seven for me is God's Pocket, the final Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. I was, not just because Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it, I just thought it was a very, very cool tale, and it was so well acted. There's not many movies you see in a year that are acted that well. Definitely. So I agree with that one. You'll see why later. Uh, my next one is The Wolf of Wall Street. Because I think it was di- it was like it was another one of those that as I'm watching it, I am thrilled to be a person who loves movies. Watching Leonardo DiCaprio in anything, like when he was in Django Unchained. I mean, 
I, it's not just him, but I mean the whole of it. And I felt there were scenes in that movie that actually transcend, if you will, a lot of other scenes in movies of the whole year. Like when he's on the boat with the FBI guys. Oh, yeah. Where you're, the whole thing just gets right in your gut, like, ugh, you know? <laughs> Number six for me is Rush. And that's the story of James Hunt, um, the uh, Formula One racing yeah, in yeah, the 70s uh, by who, who directed it. Ron Howard. Yes. Uh, awesome movie. Uh, if you don't even know anything about Formula One, I'm sure, I think you can have a fun time with it. So that's my number six. My number six is American Hustle. Because I'm, see, I was torn about this. It didn't one. do anything for me. So many people said how great it was, and I was like, oh, okay. You know, I don't like that. Fed up in my mind. And then as I watched it, I felt like it was like kind of gutsy. I feel like I'd have to see it again because it didn't resonate with me at all. Like I, I liked it. It's pretty but, visceral. Yeah. Some of the stuff, you know. So I really liked it. Obviously. Uh, so my number five is Transformers Four: Age of Extinction. Now I know that is a big movie, <laughs> and a lot of people go oh, controversial. God, I hate those movies. I'm a big fan of Transformers, and I've liked all the movies in a way. Um, you know what? The humans are almost the worst part of the Transformers movies, but those special effects, you can't argue with. But you think that was better than Lone Survivor? Um, in a way, I enjoy. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You I can't, can't enjoy Lone Survivor because it's a horrible no, story. No, but I mean, I, I really enjoyed Transformers. I um, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like because it was a change of cast and all that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, you know, but I can remember watching it. We watched it and I was like in awe the entire time. I was like, these these special effects are just mind-blowingly good like it's so shiny things get your attention so that, that did yes <laughs> number five my number one two three four five is lone survivor i feel like it was a little bit higher above the others and it also re- reminds you of really horrible things in war that you don't think about and it's based on a true story not just loosely based but kind of yeah Pretty, it is based. Had the main yeah, guy, based on the guy the, who wrote it yeah. and lived it, to help to make the movie. So, so uh, my number four is Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Absolutely enjoyed it. It was um, Marvel. Or just <laughs> each movie is seems to be exceeding the, the last one for me. Like I'm like, wow, Marvel can't do better than that, and then they do, and then they do. Guardians of the Galaxy. They kind of. I was like, whoa, we've I've watched Guardians of the Galaxy three times. Was that from this it? year? Yeah. Why didn't why isn't that on our list? It's on my list. Oh, it is too on mine. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> so, uh, Captain America is my number four. The Winter Soldier. And my number four is the Lego movie. Yeah. Because it's just, I don't know. It's like 100% fantasy, and it may not be the same, in the same caliber as others, like Dallas Buyers Club, obviously. But, it completely takes you away, doesn't it? Like, it's super fun. It is fun. It didn't fun, make fun, my fun. list, though. Ah. Because there was too many others. I, I had to whittle it down. It was in the list. This is when the benefit voting. of having scores. All right, number three for me, and this was my biggest surprise of the year, and I absolutely love this movie, and that's Edge of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat. Uh, I knew nothing about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, I watched it, and I love a bit of sci-fi, and especially a time kind of line thing, and I couldn't believe what I saw. It's just such an awesome movie. It's a daring kind of movie. For somebody like Tom Cruise, I think it's... Agreed. You know, it's not his usual thing. I I thought it was really well made, and uh, it was funny, and it was engrossing and exciting. So that's Edge of Tomorrow, number three. 
Yeah. I mean, I see where you're going, where, why you liked it so much, I but really I didn't it. rate it as high. It was a little more lower down on my, of the whole year. What am I, number three? Right? Number, you're number three, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. And yesterday you reminded me why, because you were playing it, and I said you were going to watch it in the living room. I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch it, watch it, but I'll go in here, and I'm working on making some stockings. The instant it came on, <laughs> I sat at the table for like a half an hour or more thinking, well, I can't go in there now and sit and watch it, because I just said, well, I'm not going to sit and watch it. And then eventually I had to come in there and sit on the couch, because there's an it is almost my ultimate sci-fi thing, because it isn't tied down to just... It's like a galactic thing, you know, and I love the big scale of it and characters stories. are likable. Yeah, really good, really good. So my number two movie of this year is Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> um, it, it's it's my favorite Marvel movie by far. It's just, and it's the one I least expected to like because mm-hmm. I'd, I'm like, I don't really know what that is. Ooh, I saw the trailer whenever a long time I saw ago, it, but I was, I was like, like, I don't know that at all. Like, and I know Iron Man, so I'm kind of comfortable. I kind of like Iron Man. Why would you make that? Why would that make you think well, I, you wouldn't what, like it? What I mean is, I didn't think it would be my favorite thing out of all the Marvel things I've seen. Right. I thought it would be like, oh, that one will be okay, but I don't really know what it is. So, but I'll probably like it. But it's actually my favorite. I like it better than Iron Man. It's the best one. My number two is that where you were at? Yes. My number two is the Book Thief, and I had forgotten about it to be honest until I went through my list, and all of a sudden it came flooding in my head: Jeffrey Rush. And that room, and then the down... Everybody and everything about it was like... It's really super detailed. It transcends you in a different way. It's very sad and tragic and horrible. And yet, it does that thing to you that, like, the pianist does. Is that... I don't know. You know, you rise above the ashes of the terribleness of humanity, and that's what story you're telling. is the goodness that can happen, even in the midst of a horrible war. And it's well done. Beautiful movie. And my number one movie of this year... Let's roll the drum. The Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) I think it's fantastic. You know what? I I love Boogie Nights. That's another movie that I have and I really... And it it fits alongside it somehow. It feels like the same type of movie, just a different subject. Um, Wolf of Wall Street. It's it's fantastic. Wow, the best one of your whole year. Yeah, it's just so good. And the part where he's quaaluded up but the thing is, it's not a rewatchable that yeah, much. Yeah, oh, it totally is. No, I mean, like, it's not a movie you go, oh, today I'm going to watch Wolf of Wall Street. Like, yesterday you want to watch Guardians of, Gal- of the Galaxy. It's not something that I would sit down and go, oh, yeah, I'm ready to Because <laughs> it's very dense and, you know. It's in that old Martin Scorsese style as yeah. well. The Goodfellas style, the narration, the fast-moving, you know, clip, 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 clip. I feel like once you've seen it... And you've experienced it. Yeah, it's easily my favorite movie that I've seen. Um. And my favorite, which I'm sure I'm not going to get a drum roll for, but was actually, in terms of quality... Love Actually? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. God's Pocket. God's Pocket. I felt like I thought you were going to say Godzilla, and I was like, what? (laughs) What? I felt like it was the most... Um... Everything about it. And you know what? One of the main, one of the characters in it that made it so amazing to me was the guy at the work site in the back of the truck who kicks those guys' ass and says hardly oh, anything. Yeah. Okay. That elevates that kind of movie to, and the look of it and, and the, the sadness of it all. I just felt like it was 
beautifully executed movie. Beautiful. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's last, I believe. Well, Catching Fire. Yeah, movies maybe, um, the new Hunger Games would be his last yeah. one. But yeah, his last dramatic, dramatic. It's real. It's like, you don't want to watch it if you're going in for anything other than people are shitty. True. <laughs> like, this is not one of those where uh, you rise above the ashes of humanity and everybody's actually got a heart of gold. No, it's not that at all. In fact, there's none of that. No. So, I don't know why I, I really feel like quality-wise, everything came together on that one. All right, so that's our top movies of the year. Um, Good mixture. Yeah. Comedy, sci-fi, drama, war, Yeah, I tried animation, to vary it up a bit. But. Animated stuff. There's 80s in there. Lots of 80s and 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. There's so war. There's a lot of war in there. So, said Talk, what's for dinner? Tonight is my famous tofu which is just tofu that I dried for half a day, or a whole day, actually, on your dryer thing you gave me, squeezing out all the juice. Then, marinade, which people will find contradiction. Why do you dry it and then marinate it? But, this is how I marinate it. It's about Put texture. it in a bowl. Squeeze a bunch of ketchup on it. A whole bunch of curry powder. Curry powder. Curry powder. And some tamari, which is sort of like, it's gluten-free soy sauce, and it's kind of intense soy sauce flavor. Stir it all up. Put the lid on it. It's been in there for two days. Now, when I put it in the pan with a little bit of coconut oil and just let it get browned and then sit and brown some more, it is absolutely delicious. It really is. It's got like a weird sweetness, but it's got tanginess from the ketchup and the curry powders in there. And oh, it's just amazing. I don't know what else. Maybe just tofu. (laughs) Nice. And a boiled potato. And your advice is? (laughs) What is my tofu? Do not. Do not. What is your tofu? (laughs) What's my advice? Your tofu advice. What is my advice? I had something in mind when I typed do Just not. Just do not. Let's go for that. Just do not. Well, this is going to be controversial. But if you know me and you love me or you care about me or you have anything whatsoever, if I were to die, right, like ever, <laughs> I'm going to die someday. But if I die when I'm like 110 of some horrible thing, maybe maybe none of you will be alive either. But... If I die, and you're aware of it, just, like, oh, this is going to sound so awful. Because I'm not telling you how to grieve or anything. But, for me, if you like to honor the dead's wishes, for some ungodly reason, ungodly reason, which is leading up to this, don't pray for my soul. Okay? I don't believe in that. I just, I read so many things on Facebook where people pray for the dead person's soul and stuff. I've had people that I've loved more than my own life die. I don't believe they had a soul. I don't believe they're anywhere. They're not anywhere waiting for me. I am perfectly content with the time that I had with them in this life. To pray for more, ask for more, expect more, to think that I'm somewhere floating around out there so that someday you can come chat with me about movies again is so selfish. It's like, weren't they enough for you? Even if it was a brief time. Even if it was a child. The life they led, if they were nine or ninety, or if they died of a horrible disease or a car accident or a long-term disease or they got shot in the head, whatever the horrible thing is that led to their death, their life is contained in their life. And for you to sit there, and for me, think, oh, you know, someday I'll go up to the clouds. First of all, if you believe in that and you think I'll be there, you'll be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's not going to happen. 
But it seems it's such a waste of your energy and your time. Instead of just thinking about what you had with the person and what people have with you. If you don't think that you're enough for the people in your life right now, because you will think, well, they might pray for me and think of me in heaven and think that they'll see me someday. Why don't you make now enough? Make the relationship you have now satisfying and fulfilling enough so that when you're gone, that was enough. It may be sad. You want them back. I don't doubt. I have the same exact emotions. I wouldn't, I would take a person back, but it's just so frustrating. I just hate it. <laughs> You're on the verge of tearing oh, up. I am because I hate it. I think it's so self-absorbed. It drives me crazy. So, so don't be self-absorbed. Thank you. <laughs> this is a public service announcement. <laughs> All right, so let, let, before we go, let's remind you about our website. It's acecully.com, sidso.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on stitcher.com, iTunes, the Zoom Music Store, the Xbox Music Store, whatever they like to call it. And I wish they would call it something so I can... Isn't know, it just called that? The Xbox whatever Microsoft? Yeah, Microsoft Music Store, I think it's called. Uh, all the RSS feed, go to acecully.com, click on the word podcast. You can subscribe there. You can email feedback to me at acecully.com. Don't email SidTalk. And... Stay classy, Jane Fonda. Because I couldn't think of anything other than Barbarella every scene she was in there. And so how's that classy? And that's pretty classy. Barbarella. It's classy to you. <laughs> it is to me. Yes. That's uh, a little bit insulting. And happy to new Jane Fonda. And happy new year to everybody out there. Yes, happy new year. And remember, if you don't think for yourself, somebody's doing it for you. Yeah.